0: Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. This week's episode, I'm going over a successful muzzleloading hunt that almost wasn't. Alright, welcome back to the MI Hunting Podcast. So it's a beautiful Saturday, beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, when I'm recording this, it was the last day of the muzzleloader season. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is that, uh, from my previous muzzleloader hunt earlier this week, and just wanted to kind of talk about how that hunt went and kind of some things I observed and learned from that hunt as well. So I was able to harvest the deer. But it came down to where there was a lot of things that went right to be able to. And there were a couple things that went wrong that could have ended up in not being a successful hunt. So, and before I dive into this episode too far, uh, I did need to make a correction from last week's episode when I was talking about the remaining season. Uh, I mentioned that there was a antlerless... Uh, firearm uh, weekend well I reviewed the regs again and it actually is not just a single weekend it looks like they've changed the regulation to the late antlers doe season or late antlerless season I should say will run from December 13th all the way through the end of the month so they they've extended it longer than a single weekend so you've got the last parts of the month for that hunt now one kicker with that is that it is for private land only the late archery season is still open and again you can go on public or private for that so on going forward you know with it being the last day I end up having some stuff I wanted to take care of uh, here on the home front so I ended up not going out hunting as planned at all this weekend uh, just trying to get some stuff squared away so I'm with that too the weather for this weekend did change a little bit from the earlier forecast predicted for the week. Uh, again, really the conditions weren't quite right for what I was wanting to do. Again, you know, again if you listen to last week's podcast, you know I talked about you know basically hunt those really cold evenings on a good food source, and then again I'm wanting to focus on doing uh, some more tracking and cutting the track and trying to get a deer that way as well. You know I may. I may go on and still try cutting track with archery equipment, but again, that makes it much more difficult. But I'll probably still give it a try anyways, because again, it leads into some potential in-season scouting for me as well. So even though it'd be much easier with a firearm, you know, it can still be done with archery equipment, so I'm gonna go ahead and give it a try. So without further ado, let's dive into the hunt. Now again, I was talking last week about The weather conditions were looking pretty darn good uh, for the middle of the week, where we were going to get some really cold temperatures, good snowfall, you know that stereotypical, uh, you know weather that you're looking for, uh, especially for late season, where looking at those, you know cold temperatures and knowing that that's going to get deer up on their feet, and wanted to get up and feed. So I ended up going out after work, you know basically it was basically hurry up. Get work done. Get out as soon as I could. Change into my, you know, warmer uh, hunting gear because we were looking at temps that were going to be down into the teens. So I end up changing that work, getting all my thermal stuff on, racing over to the property. So and with this, too, a lot of what I try to do, especially if I'm hunting in my blind, is actually because basically my blind is on the very back property line of the property. And uh, as of last year, I ended up getting permission from the land order um, on that back property line for, to be able to utilize his property to access, you know, my hunting ground. And that's been huge to be able to come in from the backside of the property without having to walk through the whole rest of the property to uh, potentially spook deer. Now, one thing that's also of note with this property is that there are some hill country or hills behind the property or behind my blind that i usually hunt out of and i do have kill bucks that have come from you know that northern part or that northern property line and come down into the food plot so that is one thing i had to take consideration is that as i'm walking in uh, basically there's an open field i'm walking on the edge of and then there's hills you know deeper into that property so I always, you know, wonder as if there's some deer uh, that are watching me walk into the blind. But as we get, as I walked in, you know, the wind was straight out of the west, so the wind was blowing right into my face coming in. I sneak around to the corner of the property, kind of take a peek, see if there was anything in the food plot, because uh, by time I've gotten you know, all my gear set up, all packed up, and make it. Uh, to the corner of the property, it's already about 4:30 or so, so I'm looking at right around only about an hour of daylight left. The field was clear, so I kind of hurry up, get over to my blind, and next, and I'm realizing there too that there's actually a fresh bed, um, you know, 10 yards behind my blind. It didn't look like I had spooked the deer out of it, but that must have been bedding there uh, the previous night or earlier that morning. Uh, just you know bedding down close to that food and then moved into th- more secure cover later so i get up in the blind get all situated and at this point it's already quarter to five so you know basically you know right in that sweet spot of wind potentially start seeing deer so got settled in and you know basically the the food plot already looked like there had been just hammering it Uh, with the fresh snow even so they were definitely in there the night before and doing a ton of feeding so sitting there basically kind of looking at the forecast again it said it was 14 degrees the sun was up again you know that's kind of what i really like to see where there's a decent breeze super cold temperatures and having you know that partially sunny or sunny skies you know for whatever reason i find at least on my property where those really cold temps if that sun is there and there's no, that lack of cloud cover where you can feel that heat just getting drawn away. And that seems to be perfect for or for the farm that I hunt. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is, this feels right. It feels good. Sitting there about 10, 15 minutes or so. And I look over coming from uh, off to my essentially my right or from the west. I see legs moving through the woods coming into the food plot. So just thinking, all right, here we go. It's here they come. Sure enough, two little fawns come right in and out, and they just basically bound right into the food plot and instantly start eating. And they're sitting there eating, and, and I'm just sitting there watching from where they came from, like, okay, well, there's the fawns, where's mom? And patiently waiting, and sure enough, here she comes. And of course, she's much more cautious coming into the food plot. She basically hits the edge and stares off at a camera that I have set up next to a fenced off apple tree that we've planted this year staring off of that camera eventually makes her way into the food plot you know basically at this point when i saw the fawns come through i had grabbed the the muzzleloader set it on my lap you know knowing potentially that with these deer coming in so quickly and so close that i wanted to really minimize my movement so the gun was already on my lap when that doe came in by time she kind of cleared some of the brush and got into a position where i could shoot her she ended up turning directly Uh, facing me and instantly put her head down started eating and you know basically with the position she was at I wasn't comfortable with shooting uh, with the deer directly facing at me as well as with the head down like that you know I'm sure it would have been a pretty easy shot considering the fact that she was only about 30 yards out but I just didn't feel comfortable uh, shooting with her head down like that so I ended up deciding to wait it out until she would you know, turn to be able to give me a nicer broadside shot and I'm sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting and by the time she finally decided to start turning um, to present more of a side or a side profile she ended up getting behind this little bush so basically at this point like all right well I guess I have to wait for her to clear this so it's still early plenty of time as long as the wind, you know continues to blow where where it's coming from yeah, I should be okay and then, so basically you just waiting for her to clear this area. She needed to take a few more steps out to clear that brush area. And then I could get a shot at her. So, and as I'm sitting there waiting, you know, basically these deer are clearly showing that they are on edge where, you know, there were several times where, you know, certainly I didn't hear or see anything, but these deer were picking their heads up, staring off to the field edges You know, just indicating that they've certainly been pressured and on edge for it. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, kind of what my process, like, okay, I got to get the gun raised without them seeing or hearing me. And then all of a sudden I realized that I had forgotten that with the muzzleloader to pull the hammer back, once it clicks into position, it makes a very, very noticeable click sound. And at that point i'm just thinking what am i going to do to be able to get this hammer back and not spook these deer immediately when that when they hear that click sound you know basically thinking i'm going to have to be at the firearm up firearm up looking through the scope and pull that hammer back and basically be ready to pull the trigger as soon as that click sound happens cuz they're definitely going to notice it hopefully they you know hold for a second or two long enough for me to get settled in and be able to pull the trigger so I'm considering that and waiting and waiting and waiting this doe is taking her sweet time uh, just milling around behind that bush area next thing I know they all pick up their heads looking off to one corner of the food plot and watching and all of a sudden here comes a spike just barreling in running right into the middle of the food plot and it puts his head down well, this has all these deer on edge. And they're just staring at him, staring at him. And then finally picks his head up. And then they, you know, eventually stare at him for another, I don't know, a few seconds or so. And then realize like, oh, it's just another deer. And they proceed to eat. So it was one of those situations like, I hope they don't get spooked off by this other deer. You know, this silly little spike horn better not ruin this for me type of deal. So he proceeds to eat. And next thing you know, here come two more heads popping out through the weeds off to the side of the food plot. Sure enough, two more deer come in. Same thing, all the deer pick up their heads, they're staring at them. Once they finally make it into the food plot, they give each other the stare down and then start to eat again. And this happened, you know, we're getting, we're starting to get closer. We're at, you know, five five o'clock ten after five so starting to get down to the last 30 40 minutes of light and these deer are all on edge you know every potential sound that they heard they would all pick up their heads stare and as I'm, as they're still doing this i'm still just waiting on this doe to to make the clear this little brush area she's starting to get like a few a few more steps where i need her to be to be able to you know, take a shot at her. Again, I'm still very worried, you know, with now seven deer into the field, you know, I'm worried about, you know, being caught when I'm, you know, trying to move. And again, I'm very, very nervous about, you know, that hammer when it makes it sound, when it locks into position as to what these deer are going to do. Next thing I know that the deer, the two deer that came in that were a little bit further on the far end of the food plot pick their heads up and of course when they do that all the other deer pick their heads up watching them and this though is maybe a step or two away from where i can take a clean shot at her next thing i know those two deer on the far side of the food plot just bust out run straight for me they take the spike along with them and of course the two fawns and the doe that are with them all come running past me um basically you know kind of like a wave and they all run behind the blind and take off and i'm just sitting there i can't believe that they cleared the field in one swoop motion like that you know basically when i saw the other two on edge and start running i pick up the muzzleloader hoping that they might just you know make it to the edge stop and Give me a second or two to be able to make a shot, but they didn't. They busted out of there and they weren't stopping for anything. So now I'm sitting there very, very frustrated with the whole situation that we're sitting now at. I think it was probably oh, I think I had i think I said to myself that it was, you know, I had only like 15 minutes maybe of shooting light left and the fear and the field just got cleared. Just thinking Great, there they go. You know, I'm probably not going to see anything till after dark. Art again now, so I'm thinking the whole hunt's ruined. But of course, you know, trying to be optimistic, I ended up. It's like you know what? Nope. You know, there could be some other deer coming from other directions. You know, a big buck could come out still. You know, thinking that these, if these those came piloting in here, then there's a good likelihood that a buck's going to be coming in as well. Well, after about five minutes or so. Here come three more deer out of from the far side of the of the field where those other deer got spooked. So I'm kind of assuming that it was these three deer that spooked the rest of them. So they must have been making noise, um, you know, in in the little creek bottom area, and that's what spooked these deer. So two smaller ones come out, and then one really good sized doe. Now. I guess I need to back up a little bit the the bigger doe that came out with those fawns, um, she was a smaller doe um, there's times where I was watching her like she was clearly bigger than the other the other fawns now um, I think I again made another mistake where I said there were two fawns there was actually three fawns with her and she was clearly bigger than all three of the other ones but she didn't seem like she was that much bigger so you know at some point I even considered was she maybe a fawn as well just a much bigger one or even was it was this now a button buck um that was hanging out with these other two you know dove or all the other three doe fawns as well because um, I this time of year those button bucks should be a little bit bigger in comparison to the doe fawns so that's what that was running through my head as well um but ultimately I did, I did decide that it was a doe and that if she did present it an opportunity that I was probably going to take her. She was probably only going to be a year and a half full dough, but again, they all busted out with these other ones. So now this other one shows up, and she is clearly much bigger of a dough. Um, you know, all, all the other ones, even you know, they were smaller size. And then this dough even had, you know, basically a snow covered back, so she definitely had some thicker fur on her and everything like that. And that was insulating her to where the snow uh, had piled up on her back, which. Looked pretty cool um, as I was looking at her as well. But again, they were coming from that far side. And of course, by time they kind of got settled in and I got the, the muzzle loader lined up and resting on the ledge of the blind, she was facing directly at me again. So I'm just thinking, great. All right. Well, you know, I still have some time that, you know, she's going to end up turning and. If she turns broadside, then I've got a I got a shot. So they're feeding and feeding and feeding, and they just continue to walk straight at me, um, getting closer and closer at least. Uh, but they're not really turning, or she's not really turning, and giving me you know a nice broadside shot. You know, at this point, I pulled my phone out, checking the time. You know, kind of considering how much time I have to be able to make a decision on what I'm going to do. And how much time I have for this deer to you know present an opportunity for me here so end up getting um, she ended up trotting a little bit closer so she basically started out or that group started out about you know 130 140 yards out on the far side of the food pot. and by time they've kind of made their way into about 80 yards or so Uh, we're looking at the last couple minutes um, before you know before it starts getting really close to shooting light you know it was at 530 you know it was looking at about 528 530 and I know that I'm running out of light very quickly another little side note with I've learned that this scope on this mother loader is definitely not the best especially when you're trying to zoom in and uh, it's up getting really cloudy when you start getting that some of that low light I don't know if it was fogging up on the inside Um, or what the issue was but it definitely was cloudy in that scope so that made it to where it was a little bit harder for me to you know really to be able to see really clearly and I was wondering worrying that if I waited too long um, as we get to the very last legal shooting light that it may be too dark or too fogged up for me to be able to really see to make a good shot so I felt like I was up against the clock in that regard as well and at this point, she hadn't turned side or turned broadside for me yet. So at this point she starts to turn a little bit more according to. Uh, so we is, she is starting to open up that side a little bit so I can see her, but she's not turning all the way. So at this point, I'm considering you know taking this shot with a quartering to deer you know, basically all of my hunting, I really haven't been in a position to take a shot at a deer that wasn't essentially broadside. You know, essentially all the deer that I've had opportunities for, they presented a broadside shot. You know, they might've been courting to a little bit or courting away a little bit, but more or less broadside. And this would be really the first time I tried shooting at a deer that really didn't uh, provide, provide that, opportunity or that type of shot. So basically I decided that at 5.30, um, if it was 5.30 and she hadn't turned broadside, then I was going to decide whether I was going to shoot or basically at this point probably let her go um, and not take a shot at all. So she ended up taking a few more steps and turning a little bit more open to show a little bit more of that side and ultimately I decided that I was going to go ahead and try taking that shot so got lined up on her rested real well on the ledge of the blind and you know basically looking kind of through the scope and over the scope at the same time as I pulled the hammer back for that muzzleloader and again this deer is she's the closest one at about 80 yards and when that muzzleloader made that click sound from that hammer getting locked into position. She immediately picked her head up and looked right in my direction, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I figured from that distance that she might not be able to hear it all that well, if not at all, but they clearly heard it and were clearly on edge from that sound. So I quickly you know, got settled into the scope, lined up the best I could, essentially aiming for you know, that. Front part of that shoulder, trying to hopefully shoot through that shoulder, you know, pass through the heart lung area and end up pulling the trigger. And of course, with the muzzleloader, big old flash, big old puff of smoke. And by the time that clears, the three of them are all running off. Now I can kind of see where she had taken a little bit different angle um, and moved off a little bit to a different um, section of the edge of the field and then and proceed to make it into the woods so again now I'm going through the aftershot process of you know making sure I knew where she had gone in at, trying to collect as much data as I could about you know how did she look when she was running where did she go in at, how how was she reacting and looking at her she was bounding quite a bit but it looked like her tail was flicking quite a bit um, indicating that she wasn't really feeling quite right I don't know it's hard to explain but you know after seeing plenty of deer run off and whatnot you can kind of tell when something doesn't quite look right when they run off on you so and that's kind of what I saw with her so gathered up my things closed up the blind and you know gave it a few minutes kind of get settled down again and so I ended up grabbing a flashlight and just to go to see what it looked like at the point of impact I walk up through where it looked like she was and i'm finding nothing for sign or any sign of an impact no blood no hair nothing so at this point i'm even considering um, whether or not i'm in the right spot or if she was further away from me so you know at this point i'm kind of at a loss where it looked like it was it was a clean miss on her so i'll proceed to kind of walk the trail where it looked like she had gone and still no blood, no sign of anything. Um, And she was bounding quite a bit where she was making some pretty good strides with those bounds. Didn't seem to be struggling at all trying to get out of the field. So I walked back, kind of backtracked her tracks. um, Now that I kind of got an idea of what they look like and exactly the direction, the trail that she took. Walked back to where, sure enough, where she was standing. And again, no significant sign you know not a single drop of blood so I follow that trail again back to the edge of the woods and again doesn't look promising I thought it was a clean miss so I just kind of beat myself up at this point and start walking back to the blind and just thinking you know you know that was a clean miss so I make it back to the blind and you know just kind of gathering my stuff or gather up my stuff a little bit gather myself up just kind of wondering how i ended up missing her what could have went wrong and you know just thinking you know what i can't just give it up on this i can't let this one go i need to go out there i need to go and confirm that you know that she is okay that it was a clean miss you know i gotta do that due diligence and and just make sure that it is what i think it is so gather up some of my stuff and I don't remember at this point if, if I had called my wife, tell her that I had shot and it didn't look good, or if I called her after I got on, or if I double checked again. No, I think I did call her. You know, basically, that's ah, right. So I ended up going back to where she had entered into the woods and, and I made it in a few yards and then looking at part of the track and seeing something in the snow where I'm just like I don't know is that this like stuff off the weeds or off the the you know grass that she, she had run through or is that blood so I stood there looking at it for a little while and you know ultimately it, did, it, it it ended up being a little bit of blood but again it was very you know basically little you know pinhead drops of blood They were kind of sporadic you know definitely not nothing no no big drips or nothing like that it was definitely little just little spouts of blood very very small so i had hit her but it definitely did not look good it wasn't bright red it was more of a darker red so at this point i'm thinking like i i clearly hit her but based on the the amount of blood that i see it doesn't look like it was like it was a mortal hit you know I might have caught her in the hams or caught her in the leg or something like that or in the brisket I don't know what happened but so I did hit her but it doesn't look like it was anything too significant and you know basically just kind of go and follow the track a little bit to confirm that you know it doesn't the sign doesn't get any better or anything like that because at this point I was pretty well convinced that Sure enough, I hit the deer, but it that it wasn't going to be that something that was going to kill her or that I wasn't going to, you know, find this deer dead or anything like that. You know, at this point, you know, I am kind of considering, should I continue on with this track? You know, if it if I did hit her, then I could end up bumping her or pushing her in a way. You know, that did cross my mind. But at at this point, I thought that, you know, that wasn't really a high probability just based on the sign that I had found so far so figure like well I'll just follow the track a little bit further see what happens if the blood increases then I'll you know reevaluate what I'm going to do from there or if it looks like it still stays spotty or if I can kind of catch up to it a little bit and see you know does she calm down does she group back up with the other deer you know that type of thing just trying to try to figure out a little bit more about you know I guess try to gather up some more information on if I you know how bad of a shot it really was it's if the deer's going to live or not basically so I get over there to back to the woods pick up where I kind of left off and again the, the blood was there very very spotty again and it clearly was coming off of this one side of the trail so it definitely looked like I had only hit one side you know definitely doesn't look like there's any exit wound or any exit hole or anything like that where blood's coming out the other side um, of the deer so again it doesn't look very promising at all and i make it in probably about fifth, no probably about 25 30 yards into the woods a little bit and you know the blood it's picked up a little bit, but again, it's a darker red and very spotty. You know, I, I found one uh, decent drip of blood on, you know, basically a blade of grass that was still standing. And that was it. So I kinda stopped in one area that, you know, kind of kinda considering how much further I want to proceed with this track and what I should really do next. So I take a few more steps and next I know I hear a deer getting up and I look up and you know there she stands probably about I don't know 20 yards ahead of me and immediately my heart sinks to thinking, oh no I just bumped her out of her bed she was bedded down right here she's gonna take off and you know I've just ruined this whole deal you know it's one of the things that especially when you already have really bad sign and next you know you bump that deer you know those aren't really good signs for you or a good situation for you um just knowing that you know you potentially just made this deer get up out of his bed and it's gonna go you know at this point i'm just just that oh no just i blew it feeling and as she's standing there she hasn't really ran off she's standing there um, still in my headlamp and so I didn't again this point I'm just thinking I don't have my muzzle loaded again I don't have anything to take a follow-up shot or anything like that on her to try to put her down where she's right here and I noticed that she's kind of wobbly so that hind end is kind of swaying around a little bit and the fact that she it looked like she was struggling a little bit and that the fact that she hadn't completely ran off show you know indicated to me that she was hurt more than what i initially thought from the shot so i end up start backing up a little bit and then sure enough she bounds away a little bit so i'm still thinking oh no she okay there she goes i can't push her any further now you know she is hurt and she could potentially die but now i've got all those questions of am i gonna be able to pick this track up how long do i have to let her sit now you know, is she going to make it onto to the neighbors? Is she actually completely... Or is she wounded enough to where she was going to die? Or or was I just seeing something about her swaying? So I wait there a minute or two until I can't hear her anymore. And then I proceed to walk up to where she jumped out of her bed. And that was only about 10 yards away from where I was. So I walk up there because I wanted to see what the conditions look like in her bed. And... You know she had kind of bedded in this really like basically this dead tree with some logs leaned up against it she, she basically climbed into a hole into this bed here and looking at the bed there's definitely on the side that I chopped shot, shot her on there's a big pool of blood there it looked like she had been bleeding out of her mouth a little bit and then it looked like she was bleeding out of her hind end area or out of her ham somewhere so you know and again with the blood it wasn't bright red it was certainly much darker red blood so at this point and looking at the you know the body positioning where she was laying and the spots of blood in the in the bed it looked to me like it was more likely just a single lung hit more likely liver as well and then it looked like the bullet had exited somewhere out of her hind end so it looks like probably guts as well so at this point I completely back out you know knowing that this deer is going to need some time so you know based on the sign that I saw from the bed I you know made the determination that yep she is going to die you know that single long with the more than likely, liver as well as guts. You know, she will die. It's just how long is it gonna take her, and how far did she go from when I bumped her? Um, you know how, you know what what type of distance is she gonna put in before she does end up bending back down again and dying? So, grab my stuff and you know basically call call my wife again. Tell her like, hey, I I bumped her. You know, it does look like she's gonna die, but I have to give her more time. So ended up packing up heading back to the vehicle you know i end up driving back around met with um mike who owns the property told him that you know i was gonna have to i was uh, that i shot a doe but i was gonna have to be back to uh recover it later because you know i did i didn't recover it right away he said yep go for it i'm going to bed good luck to you type of deal so i end up coming back home <laughs> end up eating some dinner uh talked to a co-worker slash friend of mine and who was working he had actually a work question for me and uh ended up telling him that I had shot a deer and kind of what I was looking at and you know basically he kind of you know kind of gave me some reassurance and you know basically told me good luck and sent him a picture if I found it so I ended up staying home about three hours or so so you know, I ended up heading back out about 8.30. Well, actually I take it back. It was probably closer to 9 when I ended up heading out. So got down to the back down to the farm and, you know, grabbed my headlamp and grabbed some of the gear. So if I did find a deer, I basically grabbed my harness with a little tow rope and a carabiner so I can hook it up to my harness and drag her out that way. And basically picked up the track where I had ended up leaving her bed. Now again, from there, you know, fortunately it hadn't been snowing very hard and the conditions were pretty much still about the same. So I was able to essentially find her track, again, very limited blood. You know, I was kind of expecting based on the amount of sign that i saw before, but I was hoping that she was gonna start bleeding a little bit more and give me a little bit better sign or indication of, you know, basically be able to follow that track a little bit better. But again, very little blood. I found a couple of things of blood Uh, again one on a basically on a sapling type deal another one on a piece of cattail um, that she had basically bounded by so ended up you know essentially only being able to track her from just her tracks alone and no you know no blood sign or anything like that and eventually she she made it into the crick bomb a little bit and bounded a little bit deeper and then started to wrap back around kind of circling back around to back to the field edge So I'm following that along and making it probably about 50, 60 yards so far. And again, just following tracks. Hit a point where there's clearly a junction of some other deer. So at this point, I'm starting to get a little nervous that I'm going to be able to maintain or stay on her track and not get confused and start following the wrong deer. Um, So I'm following it, following it, following it. Again, looping back around. Eventually starts making it on over to close to the neighbor's property. And again, she's getting closer and closer to basically an open field where it's essentially a 40 acre open field. And I'm starting to get nervous at this point that she's, you know, why is she heading or closer to an area of open ground instead of heading more into cover and, you know, where it's secure? And Again, at this point, there's plenty of other tracks that I'm trying to decipher, you know, which one's hers, which one's another deer, and trying to stay on it. Eventually get kind of cleared out of the area, and I'm pretty sure I'm still on her track. Again, doesn't make much sense to me that she's making her way, you know, towards the open field. But I'm still going to follow it. I end up following it out to the edge of the field, and she starts walking into you know, out into the open field, make it about ten yards or so and all of a sudden she had stopped and, you know, quite quite clearly turned around. And at this point I'm just like, What is going on? She made it out here and now she's turning back. And I didn't run into her. I didn't see her. I didn't cross her track anywhere else. Like maybe maybe her track maybe one of her tracks was one of those other tracks that I was trying to decipher from. So you know, at that point, when I turned around. I'm like, okay, she came out here and she turned back. Now, I'm not sure if that was from when she might have saw me or heard me walking walking out. Like, I don't know what how long it took her to make this loop. And the fact that I just basically kind of did like a you know crescent moon shape tracking her, and I'd never found her lane or you know found any sign of her that she had crossed over the track again. You know, either. Either she's still in that little half circle area that I had already covered, um, and just basically she was in between from where I had walked and followed her track to the edge of the field. She's somewhere in there, uh, or she's gone. Now, I had seen this instance before where, you know, basically I'd followed uh, or I'd shot a deer um, a good number of years ago, but when it was the same kind of situation where it was very, very spotty blood. And eventually this deer hit this spot stopped and you could tell that it was basically kind of it was almost like it was trying to decide what to do and then we couldn't find the deer anymore and all of a sudden it looks you know back about four or five feet into the brush is the deer laying dead so it kind of realized that it was in trouble and just kind of dove into the, the closest cover it could so when i saw that she had turned back around you know a little part of me thought maybe that's what she was doing that she realized that she was in trouble and needed to get back into the cover so I turned around followed the track back in and sure enough maybe three four yards into the woods there's another bed you know next to a tree and I shined the light up a little bit higher and about three feet from that one there she laid piled up next to this tree now the one other interesting thing is that by the time I walked up to her I realized that I had walked by her I don't know I was maybe five six feet away from her when I walked by her the first time I just completely missed her walking by trying to follow these tracks so and you know focusing on these tracks so much that I ended up walking past her um, you know again she had you know basically piled up next to this tree and had her head on the backside of the tree so it could have been pretty easy for me to miss her just thinking that she was part of the tree or part of the stump there but either way I f- end up finding her and she cl- she was dead but clearly hadn't been dead long because I basically was checking to see if I was gonna get a response. So I kind of gave her head a little nudge with my foot and her head basically kind of snapped back a little bit um, to where she definitely hadn't passed very long where none of the rigor mortis had kicked in or her body hasn't you know started getting cold yet. So she had clearly um, you know lasted you know a little while so i was very 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 relieved to have found her uh just knowing the situation that you know i had made the mistake of going in there you know i don't know how much more you know i probably should have been more cautious i should have not seen the blood just waited it out but again at you know it's always hindsight is 2020 20. when you look back at it you know at that point i I really thought that I missed and made just a flesh wound on her but then the moment she jumped out everything changed for me so when I did find her when I did finally catch up to her I was so grateful that that it all came together um, ultimately in the end so I ended up grabbing her getting her pulled to where I could get her up to the two-track got her all gutted out cleaned out and eventually got her home and you know i messaged my friend with a picture and he basically gave me the the congratulations and that you know i kind of told him the situation of what i ran into and he basically kind of gave me um, some insight that i had never really considered um, but he said that he had ran into it where you know with the muzzleloader and with that bullet you know it doesn't really react like a normal rifle bullet sometimes where he said that you know you may have um, you know basically a really small entrance wound as well as an exit hole they don't really mushroom out or you know craze create the type of damage you know on the way out like a normal rifle does and then also you know having the shot that i did where you know basically it had one single entry wound it ended up shoot end up hitting her a little bit back behind that near side shoulder uh, so i ended up hitting a little bit further back than where i was aiming and having that exit hole. Essentially there was a small exit hole basically coming out of her, right out of her butt essentially, where a lot of that blood had stayed pooled up in her. And with it again being only that single lung, it wasn't pumping out like like you would see if you had a double lung um, with an in- entry and exit hole um, in that chest cavity area. So when I ended up getting her home, she, she did end up being um, one of the largest Doves I've ever shot, you know. Basically, by the time I got her hung up, she, and uh, with her dressed-out weight, she weighed 130 pounds. Uh, so I end up <laughs> basically cut her cheek to check those teeth, um, to try to age her, and essentially by looking at that, um, the tooth replacement, tooth wear um, technique, you know, I basically aged her at, at a minimum of five and a half years old. Um, so she was a pretty old, um, wise old doe and. Um, one, the other thing that I noticed that when I was gutting her, that she her milk sack was empty. You know, thinking that she had weaned off her fawn already um, and she was dry at this point. So again, yeah, she was a minimum of five and a half years old. And Actually, the other side uh, actually looked like she was more of, a, of at least a six and a half year old um, just because of how worn down her teeth were. Um, but so somewhere in there, probably a five and a half or six and a half year old deer. Um, very old, mature doe. Um, you know, probably one of the oldest ones I've, again, have, you know, taken, you know, those old does there, they're pretty cagey and you usually don't get very many opportunities at those older ones there. So, and then, so as I'm going through the, the, um, skinning process, I realized that she has got a ton of fat on her. So she was doing quite well health wise. And then as I progressed into processing her more, um, she had a lot more fat on her than i had ever encountered on a deer you know basically on her hind end over her back in the hind end area you know there was fat I would say at least an inch thick that was built up so she was doing very well very healthy deer and my dad actually brought up a really good point where he thinks that she might have not had a fawn or that she maybe had a fawn and it had died to where she wasn't you know, producing milk anymore so she didn't have to utilize any of the resources for her um, trying to support her and a fawn so a lot of that fat got built up um, just because she was able to you know conserve her resources and build up her own fat content instead of having to support another another fawn so i think he might be right in that either she you know i don't think that she i'm don't really believe that she didn't get bred or didn't have a fawn at all but i do think that she probably had one and it had either died you know some somehow the other you know theory again was you know from my initial that she had already weaned off a fawn but you know that one doesn't carry as much weight just because of you know how much fat she had on her um compared to what i've ever seen before you know i have had some fatty does that you know did have you know, we're, we're so supporting the fawn, but never to this point or never this much. So so but it is possible that she had already weaned off her fawn and that's why she was doing so well. Um so that's kind of the three potential scenarios um as to why she was so healthy. But yeah, so ended up getting her all processed out. I got a little bit more of some of the the trimmings to grind up to make a little bit more burger. But yeah, so I just wanted to kinda of cover that hunt Um, again, it it was, I kind of actually kind of got a little long with this considering the fact I'm only talking about one real hunt, um, but I did want to kind of point out some of the things that had happened, um, during this hunt where, you know, ultimately it ended up being successful. There was a lot of things that could have happened or did happen that could have potentially changed the outcome. You know, the fact that these deer were so much on edge and that, you know, ultimately I didn't even consider you know them being spooked from that hammer getting locked in position those deer gotten spooked off and potentially you know clearing the field and not having anything ever coming back out again for the rest of the night you know i did take a shot that i i know that a lot of people take um this it was the first for me so i was a little uncomfortable with that and the fact that i didn't execute the shot as i should have you know that That round needed to be a little bit further to the right to get more into that shoulder and that, you know, higher up in the chest cavity to potentially get, you know, both lungs or the heart. And then me making that mistake of going in there after her, you know, initially thinking that it was a clean miss and then the little bit of sign I did find thinking that it was a flesh wound, having jumped her up and, you know, realizing that I needed to back out and not push her. And then... I guess just kind of lucky at being able to have the conditions just right to where I was able to follow her follow her track um, even despite with not having blood you know I've I know um, an individual that has blood tracking do- or a tracking dog you know that had crossed my mind quite a bit to, and if I need to rely on him and this dog to help me out and then you know ultimately having backed out you know I I didn't give it as much time as you would normally recommend for people you know with it being a single lung or one lung or liver you know you usually want to give it at least four to six hours you know if you get guts then you're usually looking at you know I believe it's you know usually with six to eight or even possibly ten hours um, for a gut shot you know and that's kind of the your, your minimum frames that you really want to look at so With it being the one lung and liver you know i haven't gone back out there about three and a half hours later i was a little early in picking up that track again but i was kind of prepared to um at that point if if she did um, make it further than what i had hoped then i was going to take it slower again and give her more time at that point but fortunately she had only made it about another 70 yards or so and again basically loop back around to where Almost where I started um, the track on her, basically. So hopefully, with this story, a little bit, kind of give you some insight um, as to some things that could potentially um, you encounter, especially during this late season with these deer. You know, being so spooky, and then a good. Op- this is a good story of what happens when you don't make a good shot. What happens when you bump them? Um, and some of the things that you can kind of look for and can take in consideration when you, you have to pick up that track. Again, it's, it's such a difficult situation when you're in the unknown of tracking when you're tracking a deer as to when do you give up, when do you push further, when do you when do you back out and wait? You know, is the deer dead? Are you gonna find it? Do you need to call somebody to help you? You know, there's so much going through your mind. You know, especially if the deer doesn't go down where you shot it or if the sign isn't looking as good as what you're hoping. You know, you basically go through that roller coaster of emotion and thoughts of what what needs to happen. And I guess in closing, my advice to you would be always try to be as observant as you can. When you make that shot, make sure you pay attention to where that deer is going, how it's reacting, you know, where does it enter or where do you last see it? where was it standing when you shot and again look at the look at the track as you're following the blood trail you know really paying attention to paying attention to the layout of the blood how much blood is there where's the blood positioned is it on one side of the deer, or on both is it dark red or bright red again if you run into where the deer bedded down or you bump it you know what's the next step and, and it's always paying attention to those details uh, that can help you really make a decision on what the next thing you should do or how you proceed going forward. So, and with that, you know, that's the hunt. Hopefully, those are some of the lessons, or those are the lessons that I kind of learned come, from this hunt. Hopefully, it helps you going forward as well. Now, again, for the rest of the season, we've got the late antlerless firearm from now until the end of the month again that's on private land only And of course we've got the archery season still going as well throughout the rest of the month find those areas where those deer feel secure use that snow to your advantage if it's in your area to find those concentrations and just and be sure again that you're very very careful because these deer are going to be on edge from having been hunted so hard so far throughout the year so with that if you got your tags filled then enjoy being able to sit in watch that snowfall and those cold temperatures and just knowing that you don't have to go out in all that weather for the rest of us that still have some tags left open you know there's still again still plenty of time get out there get after it and this is a perfect time to start swinging for the fences because eventually you know season's going to be over and we'll just have to start planning for next year so again good luck to you be safe and until next time